Matthew 13, 14, again, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, every day we're faced with choices. And it's amazing that everybody this morning in Sunday school and even uh, Pastor Sheldon when he was talking uh, this morning was, uh, we have a lot of choices that we have to make. And if you actually sit down at the, in a day and wrote how many cho- choices you made during the day, you'd probably be amazed. Every one of you this morning made a choice to be here. Not only did you make that choice, you, in order to make that choice, you had to get up, set your alarm, and then you had to uh, get dressed. I'm glad you all did that. <laughs> and then you had to get in your car and drive here or walk here. It depends on where you live. So you made an initial choice, and there were other things that you had to do in order to support that choice. And that's kind of what we're looking at today. Uh, John MacArthur said, Our lives are filled with decisions. What to wear, what to eat, where to go, what to do, what to say, what to buy, who to marry, what career to follow, and on and on. Many decisions are trivial and insignificant, and some are essential and life-changing. The most critical of all is our decision about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. That is the ultimate choice that determines our eternal destiny. It is that decision that Jesus here calls men to make. Now, the most important choice, of course, we know as believers and people that attend church regularly, that uh, choosing Jesus is the most critical choice that we make. And every choice that we make is um, supported by that choice. Just like this morning, when you decided to go, you had to do things to get there. Well, when we choose Christ, there are certain things that we do because of that choice that we made. Our major decisions in life will will be supported by that choice. If we choose to follow Christ and serve Christ, we're not going to get a job in a bar, are we? Because that would not be a good testimony as a believer. So there are things that we do in our life that we will do because we have Christ in our life. That's the reality of life, isn't it? And everything that we do every day is affected by a decision. You get up in the morning and decide to go to work. Five days a week, generally, that's usually what most people work, sometimes six six days a week. But you made a decision to do that because of that decision. You get up when the alarm goes off or you hit snooze twice or whatever it is, but finally you get up, get dressed, and go to work because you have chosen that. And ultimately, because you serve Christ, Christ wants you to work and wants you to be a good worker, so that's even more referenced through that choice. So everything we make is determined by that initial choice. And each one of us have to make a choice in, in relationship to who God is and who Christ is. And as we are, um, come to a decision or a, we are confronted with a choice in these verses, and, and Jesus uses it, calls it two gates. Now, Jesus talked a lot in parables, and that meant that he gave an example of things the way life was and gave us an example so it's easier for us to understand. I try to do that sometimes uh, about certain things that I talk about, give you an example to make, you, make it fit your um, understanding. And that's what Jesus did here. Now, the first of all, I want to look at this wide gate. Now, this wide gate is easy to enter. Many people can go through at the same time. Now, naturally, we like the wide gates. 
If we have a choice to go in a store and there's a big double door here and there's a little dinky door over here, a single door, we will automatically go through the larger door because that's what we like. We don't want to be crowded. We don't want to be fenced in. That song, don't fence me in. We don't want to be fenced in, so we like the wide open spaces. And that's natural to each of us. We will naturally choose that. So we have a natural choice to choose the wide gates, the, the gate that's going to allow us to make it through with the most stuff that we can bring. Now, have you ever had to um, take off a door to get something through it? It's just, you just need that extra inch, whatever it is. You have to take a door off to get it through. Well, we don't like to do that. We'd rather have a wider door so we don't have to do that. And that's what the world offers, a wide door. So you have to take it off the hinges. You can take whatever you want through there. You don't need to worry about running into the sides. You don't have to worry about running into anybody else because there's plenty of room there. And we like that. That's natural for us. And that's why the majority of people choose the wide door or the wide uh, path or whatever you want to call that. And we can take as much baggage as we want with us. Now, we like that. As believers, we know that we don't want baggage. But as a non-believer, we carry all that baggage with us, everything we want. We can carry with us. We can drag those bags with us wherever we go. We like that. And that's why there's so many people in the world that take the wide gate. Because they can take whatever they want with them. Nobody's going to tell you you can't. We like that. And everything uh, we do involves that choice of whether it's a narrow gate or a wide gate. The second gate is very narrow. Now, in this gate, we have no room that we can't take anything with us. We can barely get through ourselves because it's just wide enough for us. Single file. There's no baggage that we can take with us. We have to get rid of all a lot of stuff that we have. And sometimes, as a believer, that baggage is friends, family that we have. They bring you down, they keep you out from going on through that wide gate, doing whatever we want. We can't do it. We have, to, we have to get rid of that stuff. We have to get rid of our judgmental attitudes, our unforgiving spirit, all those kind of things that we can't get through those doors, and especially our self-righteousness. Sometimes as believers, we think we're better than everybody else. Look at me, I'm a Christian. My church is the only church to get to heaven. You want to go to heaven, you have to go to our church. Come on over to our church. That's it. We're very narrow-minded in that aspect. Now, I don't believe that this is the only church that there is. I think that there's going to be a lot of Assembly of God people in heaven, but I think there's going to be a lot of Assembly of God people in hell. So the religion or the title over the door isn't what's going to let you get to heaven. I was um, happy this week. Some, uh, some people called us from Texas, and uh, they had a... ATV that they would have been hauling ever around, and they wanted to know if, if uh, there was a place that they could park it so they could go do these things. And so we had them come out, bring it out to the house, and late left, it, left it there so they can go out and see the things that they want to see without dragging this trailer behind them. And uh, by the way, he knows Pastor Kathy, Pastor Sheldon. <laughs> and it was interesting because the woman said to me, he says, you know, was worried about this and trying to figure out what we could do. He says, well, we did was look at Assembly of God Church. You call Assembly of God Church and they'll help us. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, so, but there are testimonies that we have out there, whether we know it or not. And there's a lot of people know when they go to an Assembly of God Church that they don't have to worry about it. 
because we are all one. We have the same basic doctrines that we have. They don't have to worry about something off the wall. They don't have to worry about coming here and being told how good you are and you're just God's little darling and anything you do is okay with him because it's not. And uh, I uh, am very careful and I try not to, to uh, say things that uh, I shouldn't be saying. Sometimes stuff comes out of my mouth and I'm surprised. Not where it came from. You know, I'm just as surprised as you are. But uh, I know that I'm held accountable by God for everything that I say, especially here. Because he holds me to a higher standard than he holds you because I am more or less in an influential position. And uh, so I take that very seriously. But everything Jesus said up to this point is to prepare us to go through this narrow gate. Now, we like all the stuff that we've talked about in the beginning. We like the Beatitudes or the attitudes we're supposed to be. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you that hunger and thirst after righteousness. We love all these kind of things. And uh, we like to be able to ask and you shall receive. Even though we don't like the, the what actually he's saying, we like the sound of that. All I can do is ask and I'm going to get it. Yay! Here, God. Give me, a, give me a prayer. Give me a prayer. Here, God. Give me this. We like that. And then last week we learned about the golden rule. And uh, the golden rule, of course, was named for the emperor that made that saying out of, go of gold. That's where we got the golden rule from. And we know that. That's basically a, a good gospel to live by. And he was not a believer. It's a good way to live your life. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. That is a good rule. If you did that, just did that. Would you treat people differently? I think we would if we actually thought that. I want to treat them the way that I want them to treat me. Because the reality is when we do that, they start changing the way that they treat you. Because it's a, you give, you get it back to you. Whatever you sow, you reap. Whether it's uh, being nice to somebody, you're going to reap people being nice to you. So there are those laws that get there. But God wants us now. We've given you all this stuff. We don't want you to be self-righteous. But here's this narrow gate. I want you to go through it. And after you get to this point and know everything that, that the benefits of being a believer or the things that you should do and shouldn't do, we're more or less ready to choose a gate or a path. And so that's what Jesus wanted us to do, to get us to this gate so each one of us would be forced to make a choice. And we all make a choice. One way or the other, we make a choice. Either the narrow or the wide. We make that choice every day. Sometimes every hour and every minute. If you're watching TV, we make that choice with our remote. So we need to understand that Luke 13, 24. Make every effort to enter through the narrow gate, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to do it. Now everybody that goes to the narrow gate, it's difficult. He didn't say it was going to be easy, because if it was easy, everybody would do it. Because we'd re we like doing stuff that's easy. And uh, in order to enter the narrow gate, we have to uh, put Jesus first in our life. That's the first thing we need to do when we get through there. Well, Jesus, of course, is the gate. And we come through there, we have to put him first in our life. If we're not, we're not, in the narrow, we're not through the narrow gate. And uh, many, not many will choose the narrow gate because it's hard. It's a difficult path to go. Now, entering a gate means choosing a path. We don't choose a path. We don't just stand in the doorway. You can't choose a gate without choosing a path. 
Now, we like the wide path. That fits the white door just great. And when we're going here, we can do whatever we want. Go through that gate, carry all our baggage. We like that. But it's a path. Now, in the wide path, you can choose to believe anything you want. Doesn't matter what religion you are, all these roads lead to heaven. That's the wide path. You go through the wide gate, I can do what I want. I can take all the baggage with me I want. I like that. That's the way we like to live. And we can do what we want. Man, that's all. Oh, man, we like that too. You can believe that if you want and still go to heaven. All right. I can believe what I want. You believe what you want. You don't bother me. I don't bother you. You're okay. I'm okay. That's the world's doctrine. But it's not the doctrine that Jesus talks about. Uh, some will travel down Substance Abuse Street, some Pride Avenue. Others will travel down Materialism Way. Some will travel down Sexual Sin Estate Road. Some will uh, take Hate Street, or they will walk down Murder Avenue. Many will walk down Apathy Lane. I think most choose religio religiosity Beltway. <laughs> Can't even pronounce it so. <laughs> but we like that. We like to think that, hey, whatever I believe is okay. It doesn't make any difference. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that seems right. The wide path teaches a way that seems right, and we listen to it. And I've heard people on, on TV, they talk about it. And you know, that sounds really, really good and intriguing. But if I'm on the wide path, hey, I'm following that guy. And then somebody else talks and it's okay because I can follow this guy over here. It doesn't matter what I do, week to week, day to day, because I'm on the wide path and I'm accepted for the way I am. I don't have to change nothing. So I, we like that. And so we want to enter those gates. But the reality is that the things that seem right to us leads to destruction. That's the bad thing about that wide, wide path is because the road doesn't lead, all roads don't lead to heaven. All these roads lead to hell and destruction. And we don't like to think about that. And so we don't, we don't think about it. We think about, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm good. That's what we believe and we like it. And we will follow somebody. If they preach a feel-good sermon, they will follow you. If I wanted to have this place packed out, I just got to preach a feel-good sermon. Have everybody bring your, your dogs, your horses, and your chickens, or whatever else, and we're going to bless these chickens, and God's going to make them prosper. They're going to lay two eggs instead of one. I wonder if we get to count the chickens and the horses and then if we brought them in. I don't want to be on scoop detail, though. And I like animals, and I believe that God likes animals. And uh, you can believe whatever you want about animals being in heaven or not being in heaven, uh, I don't think that's what I would call damnable doctrine, but I have a tendency to believe they will be there. I want my babies there. I love my grandbabies, puppies, my grandpuppies, and, my, and our babies, our dogs and stuff. We love them. And uh, say, well, that seems kind of ridiculous. Well, I want to ask you this. Was there animals in the Garden of Eden? Wow. Do you think maybe God might put animals in the new heaven and the new earth? You believe what you want, but uh, I have a tendency to believe that. Um, <clears throat> but this well-traveled road that people take, there's no rules, no restraints. Do whatever you want. It's okay. And then if you don't like it, you're judging me. We had a message on that, too. God didn't tell us not to judge. 
he told us to judge fruit, be fruit inspectors. And if God says something's wrong, we can judge it. We don't have to worry about it. God says it's wrong, murder's wrong, it's wrong. No matter what man says. The late Senator James A. Reed of Missouri, in one of his most forceful speeches ever delivered before the Senate, observed with great truth, the majority crucified Jesus Christ. The majority burned the Christians at the stake. The majority established slavery. The majority jeered when Columbus said the world was round. The majority threw him in a dungeon for having discovered a new world. Christ always calls us to follow the lifestyle of the minority opinion. Don't be deceived by the loud voice of the majority, of the moral majority. People on the wide path will encourage us to join the majority. Join the moral majority. If we join the moral majority, we will lose God's voice in our heart. Because God says this stuff's wrong no matter what man says. <clears throat> and we have to be willing to go against the majority. And that might, that might be even more and more and more difficult as we get closer to the time that the Lord will come and take us home. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Only God does. But it doesn't matter to me. I've already made up my mind. They can legalize whatever they want, but that isn't going to make me accept it. I make a lot of enemies because I won't agree with them. Because the majority said this. Well, I don't care. If you can get God to believe it and say it's okay, it's okay with me. But God never changes. <clears throat> what was sin 2,000 years ago is still sin today. He isn't going to change his mind. Jesus died for every sin that is ever going to be committed. So, and God isn't going to change the rules. He isn't going to change them for you, and he isn't going to change them for me. Even though we're God's little darlings, he won't change it. So, that's kind of slap in the face, isn't it? Now, surveys tell us that most adults believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good things for others during their lifetime, they will earn a place in heaven. If you talk to people and ask them if they're going to go to heaven, they say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm basically a good person. They think that's all, all it takes. All i got to do is more good things and more bad things than I can make heaven. But that isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says the one thing we have to do is accept Christ. If we haven't done that, I don't care how many good things we do in our life. We're still going to be condemned because that's the only thing that matters. And once we make that decision, then other things happen in our life that change us. And uh, we don't have to worry about it because God will change us from the inside out. The problem with religion is it tries to change us from the outside in and it doesn't work. There's no way in the world we can be changed from the outside in. We have to be changed from the inside out. And that only happens when Christ comes and lives within us through his Holy Spirit. That's the only way any change will happen. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. The God of this age has blinded the whole world except for believers. That's why people can't be saved is because they've been blinded. And the only way they're going to be able to be saved is that you have to break through that darkness. Sometimes it's with a question. Sometimes it's just living your life the way you need to live it. A lot of times it's because you've gone through something that's really horrific and they want to know, how did you manage to make it through it? And they'll ask you, how did you make through it? And that's a good testimony for us to be able to say, God help me. Now, we're, we're going to have problems in this world no matter what. If you think you're going to make it through this world without any problems, you are. You need 
think again. Because I don't care whether you're a believer or not a believer, you're going to have problems. The only difference is Jesus will help us with problems if he lives with us. I I tell people many times, and I've said it here many times, if I wasn't a believer today, I would have to spend, spend all my money on booze. Because there's only one way you can get through this world, and that's with God or with the 12-ounce pull-ups. Anyway, for me. For me, that's what I need. I need these 12-ounce pull-ups more and more and more. And, uh, but I'm glad I got Jesus in my life. So it doesn't matter what happens out there. Do I like the problems? No. I hate them. And I'll tell you, I get upset sometimes at God because he's done, he allowed these things to happen. But God allowed it to happen. And we can either use that as an as a opportunity for growth, or we can use it as an opportunity to blame God. That's, that's what we do. So, and I, you know, I may not like it, and I get angry at God, and I tell him I'm mad at him because he already knows anyway. Might as well be honest. If you can't be honest with God, who can you be honest with? <laughs> he died for my sin. He loved me in spite of myself. <laughs> And don't look at it too good because he loves you in spite of yourself too. <clears throat> and if we're not doing anything, if we haven't chosen, we've automatically chosen the wide path by default. That's the default setting. You know what that is? You get a commu- computer and you, and you put stuff on it and you're having problems with it or whatever, you can set it back to the original factory settings. That's the default settings. Well, the default setting on our life is the wide path. And that path leads to destruction. So we don't want that path. We don't want the default setting in our life. But if people aren't actually making a decision for, for God, they're making one for the world. There's only two, two paths. And people don't like to agree with that, but that's the reality of it. <clears throat> now, believers are called narrow-minded because we don't agree with the world's value system. And I'm going to be narrow-minded until he comes and takes me home. Because God has very narrow thinking as far as this world is concerned. He doesn't want us uh, uh, doing everything the world does. He wants us to live a certain way. And uh, how God wants you to live and the things that you can do are going to be different than me, other than the, the generalized things that we know. I mean, so, some people can't eat meat. Some people can't eat, drink Coke. Now, I don't have me one of those. But if you have that uh, issue in your life where you think that you can't do that and that, that's your belief system, you come over, I won't give you a Coke. If I go over to your house and you don't have Coke, that's okay. Because I don't know what it's going to be for you. Some people have uh, more restrictions on their life because God knows they needed this discipline in their lives in order to serve him. And uh, I've had, uh, heard of people that they've had a child that was born severely, severely uh, retarded. I can't think of the word that's politically correct. Uh, but they have... Um, and you talk to the brother and say, how in the world do you deal with this, this, your life? Trying to raise this child that can't really, is only going to be maybe a four-year-old in their mind. And they've said, well, because of this child, I'm serving God. Because of this child, it keeps me close to God. And so it depends on how you look at these circumstances in your life. Now, I don't like that. You know, that'd be a hard thing to deal with, wouldn't it? So if you think that your path is so bad, look at somebody else's path. You know, I guarantee you'd rather have your problems than other people's. And uh, if you had a choice, so we need to understand that. <clears throat> but we need to choose the path with God's values in mind. 
Now, this path requires us to, ch- to allow Jesus to change our life. If you choose the narrow path, Jesus is going to change your life. He's going to change my life, and I want him to. He's going to get rid of all the things that are detrimental to me as a person. And he's going to do the same for, for you. The difference is we need to quit doing it, kicking and screaming all the way down the path. Remember last week I said, remember a pat on the back is just a couple verteva- vertebrae away from being kicked in the pants? Just a, just a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't want God kicking me in the pants, but if I need to be kicked in the pants by God to, to, in order to do the things he wants me to do, I'm okay. Where a sign says kick me. <laughs> but God wants to do it just by whispering in our ears, but sometimes we don't like the whisper, so we ignore it. And so God needs to kick us in the seat of our pants to get our attention. Now, the Bible gives us a basic path to follow. There's basic things in here that is true for every believer that there is. And then there's other things in there that is individual for me. Because one size does not fit all as a believer. There's certain, God created me in a certain way to do certain things, excuse me, and not do certain things, and the same thing for you. Because it's our health. He wants to make us grow and be healthy. And we won't get to heaven unless we stay on the narrow path. Some people say, oh, I went through the, through the narrow gate and I chose the narrow path, but I'm not living that way now. Well, then you just jumped over to the wide path. You can't just go through the gate, say a little prayer, and expect to make heaven. If your life isn't changing and you don't want to live for God every day of your life, then you change paths. Now, I know that if I just said, oh, come up here, say this little prayer, and you're going to make heaven, you can do whatever you want. And at least pay, you know, a little bit of money once in a while. That's what they used to do in some of the early thing when the church had so much power. They would pay the priest to pray for their loved ones to get out of purgatory. And they got a lot of money from that. Or get me out of purgatory in advance. Get me some money. That's what the world was like. Now, if I did that, man, we'd have lots of money. <laughs> but it wouldn't change anything because unless you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're, going to go to, you're not going to heaven, period. That's the truth. There is no, well, well, if, if the good outweighs the bad, you're okay. It isn't going to be like that. <clears throat> uh, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way, one path, one truth that will give life, and that is Jesus. The way is a person. The truth is a person. Life is a person. It isn't what I believe, even if what I believe is good, that's going to get me in heaven. Jesus is is the only thing that's going to get me into heaven. When I accept him, I make it, I can go to heaven. If I reject him, I'm not going to heaven. That's the reality of it. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. If we choose not to accept that payment, we're not going to heaven. Doesn't matter whether he died for all our sin. Yes, he did. But he's also offering tickets, and we have to get that ticket to get on the train, to get on the path. We need that ticket, and Christ is that, is that ticket to get to heaven. No matter what we do, if we haven't done that, we're not going to heaven. I don't care what anybody says. Joining the Assemblies of God is not going to make you go to heaven. It'll help you. It'll give you guidance. It'll give you rules to follow, things things that we need. We need structure. How do I know that? Well, does your kids need structure? 
If we let our kids grow up and let them do whatever they want, whenever they want, give them everything they want, what kind of an adult are they going to be? <laughs> Not somebody I want to live next door to. Because sooner or later, those parents aren't going to be around to do that, and then what's going to happen to little Johnny? It ain't going to be pretty. We need structure as believers. We need structure as children. And God wants to give us that structure. And that's why he leads us and directs us, and that's why we need to go to church so we'll know. God can talk to you from things that I'm saying, even if I'm not saying them. Because that's what God can do. And sometimes he talks to me, and I don't, I don't know what I, that I said it, but he's talking to me, too. <clears throat> now, a lot of times people try to drag us off our path, don't they? Oh, come on over here. Oh, it's just one thing. It ain't going to matter. Oh, you're just going to miss church one week. We can go to the, go see this movie because it's a special, and, it, and we want to see it anyway, so why don't we just go today? Be careful. Everything that gets easy to pull us off the path. Because if church isn't important to us, it will never be important to the people we're trying to win. That's the way that we, we win people is by our life and our testimony. Coming to church is important to me. Serving God is important to me. If our friends will do everything they can to drag us off the path, if we'll let them. But I'm not going to let them. And our, our friends and that, you want to know who your friends are? Get saved. Find out who your friends are. We had a lot of friends who, friends when we got saved. We played cards with them. We went out drinking with them and all kinds of things that we had. And of all the friends that we have, we only have one set. And that's being bad to live here. And they got saved, though. <laughs> they'll either get saved or they'll drop you. We don't have to worry about picking our friends. They drop us. Even Randy, as wonderful as he is, they don't want to be friends with him anymore. Me either, but... <laughs> and uh, so we need to understand that <clears throat> the wide path ends in destruction and many people do not think this will happen in a uh, 1996 survey only 30% of adults saw hell as an actual location and a place of physical torment 37% of adults said hell isn't a place but represents a state of permanent separation from the presence of God 19% describe hell as a symbolic term, not referring to a physical place. I couldn't find a more current, complete uh, survey, but I think it's probably more than that now. I'm guessing it's probably 50% of the people you talk to. Do you believe hell exists? Oh, no. That's just something we use to scare children. <laughs> yeah, a child of God, I want to be scared. I want the hell scared right out of me, don't you? <laughs> but the world thinks it doesn't exist. They have to because if it does exist, then they have to change something in their life, and they don't want to. So they get rid of that fear. Oh, don't worry about it. There is no hell anyway. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with their tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now, some believe the passages in the Bible about heaven, but they don't believe the ones about hell. But the reality is there's more in this book that Jesus talked about hell than he did about heaven. But we naturally want to go to the good stuff. Oh, I don't believe in that bad stuff. And as if just not believing in it means it doesn't exist. You know? Just drink enough and nothing won't care. Robert Ingersoll, a famous lawyer and atheist in the latter part of the 19th century, delivered a blistering lecture on hell. 
He called hell the scarecrow of religion and told his audience how unscientific it was and how all intelligent people have decided there was no such place. A drunk came up to him afterward and said, Bob, I liked your lecture. I liked what you said about hell. But Bob, I want to, you to be sure about it because I'm depending on you. The people that are telling people that hell don't exist are the ones that's going to be condemning him to hell because they believe them. I'd rather have tell people that hell exists and it not exists than tell them that it doesn't when it does. As I tell people, I said, you know, you may be right, but if, if you're right and I'm wrong, I still get to go to heaven. If I'm right and you're wrong, you don't. And I'm not willing to risk it. And that's the way you get them. Hell is just as real as heaven is. And just because people won't talk about it or preach about it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Sometimes I wish it would be. Because a lot of people that we know are loved ones that we love dearly. They're not going to go to heaven because they haven't accepted Christ. They refuse to accept Christ. Well, they refuse to accept Christ. They don't want a ticket on the train. God isn't going to force anybody to go to heaven. And he isn't forcing anybody to go to hell. We choose to go to hell. If, you, if we end up in hell, it's because we chose to be there. Because the cross is what it costs God to get you out of there. So God takes it very seriously. And if we don't want to, well, one day you'll, you, you'll wish you had. And I'm going to talk about the truth of the Bible, whether I like it or not. <clears throat> now, just like Adam and Eve, when the devil got them to doubt God... Oh, God hath not surely said that you're going to eat this, you're going to die. He just doesn't want you to have it because he knows you'll, you'll be like him. So they take a bite of the fruit and found out, hey, I'm dying now. I'm on my way to hell. One decision, one listening to one lie. That's all it took. One disobedience that, that affected the whole humanity. Well, the same lie happens today. Oh, there ain't no heaven. Don't listen to that preacher down there. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, that Bible doesn't say that. That's just the way they're interpreting. Or that ain't the way it was interpreting. They mis misinterpreted it. Do you hear that? Well, they can do all they want, but it isn't going to change the fact that it exists. And there's only one way to get out of there. Hebrews 10.36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. We need to persevere. We need to keep doing and keep on keeping on. Because we don't want to go where the world goes. We don't want that wide ride path. I want to have discipline in my life. I want to have a choice. Because having a choice gives us freedom. Freedom is a choice. And so we have a choice to, to, um, to go to heaven or not. That's a choice. Deuteronomy 30:19. <clears throat> This day I call the heavens and the earth as, as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. God gave them a choice and then he told them what to choose. Choose life. And God's saying today, choose Christ. Choose his penalty that he paid for you. Choose the right thing. I don't want you to go there. I love you too much for you to go there. But I can't force you. So we want to choose, make the right choice, and that right choice is Christ. 1 Kings 18.21 Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? 
If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. We have to choose. If Jesus is God, we need to follow him. If he's not, then follow these other false gods that will lead on the wide path. Choose. And Jesus is God. have to satisfy that in your heart and in your mind. If he isn't God, then it doesn't make any difference, does it? There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's just now. If, if uh, everything Jesus did for us doesn't exist. <clears throat> uh, Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We have to make that decision. So when you're standing at that gate, the wide gate or the narrow gate, which one are you going to choose? He died so you can enter the narrow gate. Anybody that wants can enter into the narrow gate because that narrow gate is Christ. Anybody wants to. But we have to walk a narrow path. Not the path the world has told us is okay, but the path God tells us is okay. Have you made that choice this morning? Amen. Let's pray. President, Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your grace, Lord. And we just ask today, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to make the right decision, Lord.